the parasha, the name of the parasha is Bahar. And everybody knows that the parasha of Bahar is very interesting. Now if you remember from the days that you still learned Chumash, the parasha of Bahar is about social justice. It's about the fact that people, uh, that everything goes back ultimately to the way it started out. That Nachala and Eretz Yisrael belongs to the people who received it. Poverty should be erased in one way or the other. I mean, it's about things that since the Pasha of Bahar, everybody has been thinking about. Uh, capitalists say that capitalism will do it. Socialism, socialists say that socialism will do it. And the Torah says that the Torah will do it. And that's how, that's how it's been for the last 3,000 or so years. But the parish of Bahar also introduces us to another matter, which is of supreme importance to, um, to all of us. And that is the first Rashi on the first Pasuk of the parish. The first Pasuk of the parish says, now that's really a kind of a straightforward introduction. And the next pasuk, that's the beginning of the psukim, a lot of psukim, that teach us the halachot of Shemitah. So that the first pasuk is, by the Be'ashem Moshe, this pasuk seems to us to be uh, regular. I was going to say innocuous, but I changed my mind. Regular. I mean, every place in the Torah that the Torah is going to teach us something, it's introduced by a pasuk that says, Hashem said to Moshe Rabbein. Right? This is kind of very common. And even though it's true that Bahar Sinai is not as common, but you know that it does appear several times, even in the book of Vayikra. Not only does it appear in the book of Vayikra, but it appears, not the only time, but in the very last pasuk of the book of Vayikra, which after all, is a special is a special place. At the end of Bukhukotai, the end of Bukhukotai, here's Bukhukotai. Eilah mitzvot, summarizing Pasuk, the last Pasuk in the Torah. Eilah mitzvot, Asher Tziva, Shabbat Moshe, El Bnei Yisrael, Bahar Sinai. So why this is called Bahar Sinai? Should it be called Bahar Sinai? I mean, all these are good questions. What I meant to show you only is that saying that it happened at Bahar Sinai is not something that never happens in the Torah. But it happened, it happened twice in the parish of Bechukotai. Once I showed you, and once you'll have to find yourself, but twice in the parish of Bechukotai, and once in the parish of Bahar. So I would say, by the Hashem El Moshe, the Har Sinai is not such a big deal. It's the pasuk 
that introduces the topic of Shemitah. However, look at Rashi. Rashi says what it may be one of the most famous or makes one of the most famous remarks that even I hear sometimes Karyanim, radio announcers, who I do not suspect as being particularly religiously inclined or having learned in a cheder when they were children, say this, Ma'inyan Shmita Eitzel Harsina. So somebody made this into a, I'm talking about Chazal, right? Rashi, quoting Chazal, it's always that way. Quoting, in this case, a Tachumat or a Kohanim, right? It's, it's in several places. Ma'inyan Shmita Eitzel Harsina. Because why are these two things juxtaposed? I mean, there's some kind of a question here. I'm not sure I understand what the question is. Maybe the question is, maybe the question is something depends on the answer. And we'll see, let's see Rashi's answer. The right answer Rashi gives to this question that Shemitah and Har Sinai are kind of an odd couple. So if they're not a couple, there's got to be reason why they were placed in this odd way in the Torah. So what does Rashi say? Here's Rashi. Just like the laws of Shemitah, right? All the laws of Shemitah, Klalim, right? General rules, Diktukim, Pratim. And Dik to Kim all come from Sinai, right? The details, the inferences, they're all from Sinai. So, that's what Rashi says. You know, there was such some kind of a catch. There was a, a question that people used to ask. And they would say, when was it that B'nai Yisrael learned the Torah? When did B'nai Yisrael learn the Torah? So the answer is, during the 40 years they were at the, in the desert. Now how much did B'nai Yisrael, how much of the Torah did B'nai Yisrael learn at Har Sinai? Okay, I don't know. But not too much. Part of the Aseret Adib wrote, I'm talking only about revelation. There was the revelation which contained very little. Aserta Dibrot, less. Two Dibrot, the first two Dibrot, maybe less. One Diber, maybe mixed up. Maybe they heard the first Diber, but they didn't understand it, right? Uh, so how much did they learn at Har Sinai itself, at the event that we call Har Sinai? Umpi. Very little. Very little of the Torah. Then after that comes, remember... Parshat Mishpatim. Now, Parshat Mishpatim has a lot more Torah in it than the moment of Har Sinai. So let's say we'll include Har Sinai and Parshat Mishpatim. That's what B'nai Yisrael learned at Har Sinai. It's still a lot less than 613 mitzvot. In fact, everybody knows that most of the mitzvot that we know about, the parsha that contains most of the mitzvot, or more mitzvot than any other parasha, is the parasha of Ki Is the parasha of Ki That means that until the end 
He takes Eitz at the end. So until the end of the stay of B'nai Yisrael in the desert, they didn't know most of the Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the Torah little by little by little. So there was some kind of a question out in the field that the Medrash is responding to. If that is so, so can we say that B'nai Yisrael received the Torah at Har Sinai? After all, B'nai Yisrael received the Torah during the 40 years of their stay in the desert. Little by little, 40 years. Along comes the Pasuk. And the Pasuk says, Shemitah, or it doesn't say that, but we're translating the Pasuk. Shemitah, Har Sinai. And Chazal retranslated that in saying, everything really was known at Har Sinai. They don't say who it was known to, but let's say it was known to Moshe Rabbeinu. What happened during the 40 years, I guess, during those 40 years, B'nai Yisrael learned the Torah as it was dictated by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe Rabbeinu. How did Moshe Rabbeinu learn the Torah on Har Sinai? Well, I mean, certainly he learned the mitzvot, certainly he learned the halachot, certainly he learned what God wanted, but, but the dissemination of that information took place over 40 years. However, one should not imagine, one should not imagine that the Mesirat HaTorah from Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Yisrael during the 40 years in any way places the divine origin of the Torah, the notion of the divine origin of the Torah, in jeopardy. Because here's a Pasuk, and the Pasuk says, Shemitah Har Sinai. That's what the Pasuk says. And what did Chazal say? Just as Shemitah, so too everything else. So, here we are. A pretty basic question, a pretty basic issue. We all know, we all know that Torah min Hashamayim for firm Jews is an issue that is steadfastly avoided. There are people who can avoid it their entire life. And when a grandchild or a child comes home from God and says, So the answer that he, she will get will be something like, like when you grow up you will understand. Which, of course, children at a very young age learn means, oh, Abba doesn't understand. Well, Saba doesn't understand. Right? The, I mean, the children, you can't fool the children. So they all know. So we steadfastly avoid the issue, trying to come to grips with it, because we know that no good will come of it. <laughs> so we stay away. And here we are. Here we are. I wanted, to, I wanted to, to, to show you what the pre-Tzadik did with this issue of Shemitah, Har Sinai, Mitzvot, Har Sinai. The pre-Tzadik, we learned pre-Tzadik before. The pre-Tzadik was a Rebbe in Lublin who didn't have many Hasidim and we profited because he's able to sit and write. Sitting and writing, he bequeathed us Svarim that we learn. What would have happened if he bequeathed us Hasidim? 
<laughs> what would we have done with that? <laughs> so we have the Swaram, the Tzadik, you know, he was a Talmud of Ishbits. Everybody knows that Ishbits was the thinking man's Hasidus. They didn't stop thinking for a moment about what Torah bin Hashemayim meant. And now, we have to see what the pre-tzaddik said. I'm going to read it. Almost every word. Try to explain it. And I ask you, just to try to keep up. I know it'll be a little bit difficult, but it's good. It's worth it. Believe me, it's worth that. So let's do it. Here's the pre-tzaddik. The pre-tzaddik says this. The pre-tzaddik is from, is a book, is a perush that the that tzaddik wrote on, um, on the Torah. Right? It's printed parsha by parsha by parsha. Several essays about each parsha, and then, of course, a section on sudash lishit, etc., because that's where Hasidus really, really makes its fame and fortune. Bahar Sinai. Pirish Rashi. Mitarat Kohanim. So you see that the pre-tzaddik is talking to people who know Rashi Baal Right? If he's talking to people who didn't know Rashi, he would have written out all the words of Rashi. But he knew he didn't have to. Because he was talking to people who went to Cheder and learned Rashi Baal and were able to declaim the Rashi, you know, even into old, hoary old age. That's who we was writing for. He says, Sarich Bi'um. Sarich Bi'um, we would say, I have a kasha on Rashi. I don't understand Rashi. That's Sarich Bi'um. The mashma, the imayam askir, it's a mitzvah cheret, lo atmua kol kach. Ra'inyana mitzvot lahar sinai. So this is how he reads Rashi. And he says that what Rashi means, when I say Rashi, it means Chazal, right? Rashi came from Chazal. So what Rashi means to say is, what's the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? The implication, according to the Pritzadik, is that if some other mitzvah had been written in the beginning of the parish of Bahar, let's say the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah, or the mitzvah of of Motivashal Gediva Chalei So then we wouldn't have gotten so, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Wouldn't be such a big problem. It's Shemitah that makes the problem. Why was Shemitah? Not, the question is not, what do we learn from it? We know what we learn from it. That everything comes from Har Sinai. That's what we learn from it. But we don't know, according to Rashi, why the mitzvah of Shemitah was chosen to teach me this lesson. Furthermore, the pre-tzadik says, it sounds to him like Shemitah is really the big issue. Like, why Shemitah? Any other mitzvah is more reasonable. But Shemitah, why Shemitah? The Gamma Teirutze no Muvah. The Lama Bachar Dafka, the mitzvah Shemitah. Lelmod al Hatarak Kulash and Emruach Kodesimah. Why is it that Shemitah somehow represents Kol Hatarak? Right? Why is that? Shinemu Akobasina. So now he says, I wanna I wanna tell you this is a trick. You know it's a trick, but it's a good trick. He says there's another version 
of this information found in the Gemara in Sota. And I want to use that other version as the basis of my understanding of the issue. That's what he says. So now look at the other version. What does it say? The Gemara in Sota. It says Sota, Davlav and Zayn Rebet, Klalot Upratot, Nemru B'Sinai, V'Nishdu Ba'ol Mo'ed, V'Nishtal Shilu Ba'avot Mo'ad V'Chum. So, so he says, listen, Torah contains the, the big picture, which is the Torah Shavichtav. And it also contains the Torah Shavichtav. So, and the information found in the Torah Shavichtav, the Torah Shavichtav, which Moshe Rabbeinu received, could be called by with these words, Klalim, Pratim, and Tiktukim. And what does the Mishnah what does the Gemara in Sotan tell us? He says, well, if you know Yechumish very well, you know that first there was Har Sinai. And then, the beginning of Vayikra, there was Oel Mo'ed. And then you know that Dvarim, the book of Dvarim, is the book of Arvot Mo'ah. Arvot Mo'ah is a place on the eastern side of the Jordan River, close to the border from which Yoshua took B'nai Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. So that means that the Torah seems to be given to us in three tachanot, three stations. Har Sinai, Oel Moed, Avot Moab. What does the Gemara say? Kalotu Pratot Namu B'Sinai V'nishtu Ba'ol Moed V'nishtal Shu Ba'avot Moab. This is his text. That we know that the details the Torah Shavichtam, the Torah Shaval Peh, was given to B'nai Yisrael at Har Sinai, and then it was repeated in Oel Moed, and then it was repeated for a third time in Avot Moab, but that's what the Gemara says. And the priest Sadik is going to try to understand why the Gemara came to this conclusion. The Gemara could have said, as we said before, a little bit of the Torah in Har Sinai, a lot more of the Torah in Oel Moed, and a lot more of the Torah yet in Avot Moab. Why does the Gemara in Sota insist the Torah was given, and the Torah was given again, and then the Torah was given a third time? Or at least the content, not given in terms of Harsinai. Harsinai happened once. Oel Moed happened once. Avot Moab happened once. But all of this, all of this once and once and once, is the way the Torah was given again and again, right? Not just part and another part and another part, but the Torah was given, the Torah was given again, the Torah was given a third time. That's what it says in that Gemara. I'm in line 10. Hainu, the Matan Torah Sheyu Yisrael Mablechet Kohanim and he explains the Torah was given in order to make us a nation of priests. How does he know that? How does he know that? Because it's a possible good. That's what it says. It says, attend to Yuli Mamlechim, the Goy Kadosh. That's what it says. I mean, it's true that it's not often that a great scholar <laughs> quotes a possible as the reason for something. But here it is. 
There's a pasuk that says, you get the Torah, you become a lechet kohanim. Gemoshe yulatid. As they will be in the future, in, there's a pasuk in Yeshayahu, shenemar v'atem kohane Hashem tikru'u sheyiyurat avdei Hashem. In other words, you in the future, an optimistic prophecy will be kohanim. Will be kohanim. And what is what does that mean? Says Vani Dichtiv Ani Amarti Elokim Atem Shelo Yemalach Hamavet Sholeit Bachem. And what does it mean to be Mamlechet Kohanim, Kohanei Hashem, the priests of God, the priests connected to God? And he says Shelo Yemalach Hamavet Sholeit Bachem. Where does he get this idea from? Right? Why does he get this, this idea from? It's from a Gemara. But, but what is he putting it in here? So listen. He says, Mechlal shaya mitukan hakol kimo shaya Because after all, a person has to have a vision of history. And before you have a vision of history, you might ask the following question. The Torah teaches us about the story of Adam and Chava in Ganeda. Now, if you were that kind of a nudnik, or that kind of a child who just wonders about everything, so you might ask, why does the Torah have to tell us about Gan Eden? Isn't Gan Eden the world that was lost? And if Gan Eden is the worst world that was lost, why do we have to be in a kind of mild depression every year in Parshat Breshit? Why do I have to think again, boy, if Chava was only a little different, and if Adam HaRishon was only a little different, we'd still be walking around in Gan Eden eating apples. I mean, that will, I mean, here we are. Here we are. We're not in the world that God made for us. We're some other... Like we didn't go. We could have gone to the fanciest hotel in town. And here we are in a trailer uh, uh, court. Right? Everybody's got his trailer. And every year we read the parish of Bereshi. And what do we think? Boy, we really missed out here. I mean, what a mess they made of the world. See, it's got cash. Why does the Torah have to tell us we made a mess? So if you're like an unhappy person... So you'd say, well, it comes to teach you that you can make it even bigger mess. <laughs> so don't think, you know, so watch yourself or something like that. But the priest Sadiq was not an unhappy person. And he took his keynote from the Ramban, who explains this point in the parasha of Vayegech, in the parasha of Tshuva. And the Ramban says, you know, that history for Am Yisrael is a process whereby we return to ourselves. That's what history is. And so the story of Gan Eden is not only the story of getting kicked out of Gan Eden, but the story of Gan Eden is also the story of where we belong. And therefore, you could look in history to things that happen and find Rimazim find hints that Gan Eden is really waiting for us. So one of those hints is the way the Chazal understood Matan Turk. Matan Torah was not just an event 
in which B'nai Yisrael received the Torah. But Matan Torah is understood as purifying, as enabling, as making it possible for Am Yisrael to, re- to receive the Torah. Now another way of saying all that is preparing themselves for Ganeda. That's what they were doing. And so Rav, uh, the Rav Tzodok says, just like in Ganeid, Lo Shalat Bahem Malachamavet. Right, just like in Ganeid, the original plan was that Adam and Chava would live forever, and that plan was changed only after they were kicked out of Ganeid. So if Har Sinai is Ganeid, like it's preparation, it's possible for you to live in Ganeid. So at that time, at Har Sinai, Malachamavet. Right? Everything's fixed. Because otherwise they couldn't get the Torah. Getting the Torah means you have to be in a state of perfection. Not just quiet. Not just waiting. Because God said they would give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. So that's not enough. It had to be because obviously, a certain understanding, a traditional understanding of what we're doing in Olam Hazeh. If you look at the Mesilat Yisharim, in the first pair, we tried to explain this, the Mesilat Yisharim, the Derech Hashem, the, 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 uh, the Ramchal tries to explain what Olam Hazeh is. And you can say, Olam Hazeh is kind of a dangerous place. And what we try to do in Olam Hazeh is get through to get to a less dangerous place, which is called the Lam Haba. So here the pre-Tzadik, who certainly knew the Messiah Yishon, but not only the Messiah Yishon, he said, after all, if I had to think about what the best kind of life might be in Olam Hazeh, I have to say, it's the life of service of God. And service of God means also closeness to God. It's the life in which we are close to God. And therefore, if you objectively read the story in Breshit, where our work came to Adam Arishad as a punishment, and it was not always successful, and it wasn't the glory of human achievement. The glory of human achievement was Ganeid, being so close to God that everything else happened as it, as it did. He says, that's Har Sinai. That's Har Sinai. Har Sinai is going back to Gan Eden. He says, what about Ol Moed? Avshahayam, in line 18. Shayakfar achar hakilku. Oh, but you know, instead of bringing me to Gan Eden in a more permanent fashion, what did B'nai Yisrael do? They followed the footsteps of Odom and Chavu, and they made the Kilkul Hagadol. They destroyed everything. They built the Egel Hazahat. They built the Egel Hazahat. Bikol Makom, Hayachelik Moshe Rabbeinu Komem Shana. He says, this after that, what kept B'nai Yisrael alive, if you remember, was the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu, the intervention of Moshe Rabbeinu, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu protected them and defended them. They lived with Moshe Rabbeinu. Kol Mem Shana. He says, all those 40 years, Achlu 
Haman, et Haman. Those 40 years. Eating the man, now what is eating the man? Listen to the Pizzadik. <coughs> That's what the Gemara says. That the people who ate the man were the people who were worthy of receiving the Torah. That means that man was not just food, but man was redeeming. Like after, after the Chaita Ega, B'nai Yisrael had to be redeemed somehow. They had to be, how were they holding on to the Torah? I mean, what, what, what was it that, that, that presented itself? So the answer of the Pritzadik is, is man. He says, Elisha Yalahem Amal Rak Lilkot. In other words, they were still in a semi kind of Gan Eden. But it wasn't Gan Eden. Because there was Amal. There was labor associated with life. Amal Rak Lilkot. Because the man could have appeared on the table at home. It could have appeared in the blender, waiting to be blended. But no, you had to go out of your house and get it and collect it. And at that time, we know already there was a distinction, differentiation in Am Yisrael. There were better people, and there were people who were not so good in Am Yisrael, and therefore... Tzadikim Yerad al-Petach The righteous, they had to only go out, bend over, and scoop up the man. It was there waiting for them. But the Benonim, the people who are not quite so good, regular people, Yatsu v'laktu. They had to go out further, out to the field, and collect the man every day. Risha'im shatu v'laktu. This is the Gemara says. This is called the Gemara in Yuma. The Risha'im had to go here and there, hither and yon, looking for, looking for a man. Eventually they found it. That was the promise that God made. But they had to be enterprise. Hamat. They had to work. So you see that after the Chaita Ego, Moshe Rabbeinu kept them alive, but he wasn't able to solve all the problems. Not all of the Jews were worthy. Not all the Jews were the same. That's the Olmo Eid. Avol Torah Ksat. He says, even the Tzaddikim had to go out of their house and pick up the man and come back with it. And so no one was living any longer in Gan Eden. Vimaya Moshe Rabbeinu nichnas la'eretz Yisrael. This is a different topic, but it's connected. If in fact Moshe Rabbeinu had taken the Jews into Eretz Yisrael, hayad nishar kach la'olam. Rak ra'ah Hashem yitbarach she'ein muhshar od If Moshe Rabbeinu would have led them into Eretz Yisrael, then this would have remained. We would have lived with man forever. Everybody would have to do, put forth a little bit of effort. But HaKadosh Baruch saw that this was not to be the case. Now you know the story of Moshe and hitting the, hitting the rock is one of the least clear stories in the Torah. And it's not at all 
understandable what the Avera, what the transgression that Moshe Rabbeinu did for which he was denied access to Eretz Yisrael. According to the pre-Tzadik, there's another way of looking at it. Moshe Rabbeinu was denied access to Eretz Yisrael because he was the leader. And as the leader, he didn't just lead, but he determined the nature of the existence of Am Yisrael. And had he led B'nai Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael, they would have had to eat, or they would have been able to eat the man forever. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that they're not ready for that sort of life. Macharkach, stage three. Right? We had Harsina, then we had Omoed, and then there's Arvot Mo'av. Kodem Yeshua became the leader. He determined what was going to happen. Then everybody started working. You know, they came to Eretz Yisrael. They all thought it would be an old age home and they'd be able to relax. And look what happened. Everybody works harder in Eretz Yisrael than they worked any place else. There's a lavod. One person works his fields, the other person works his vineyards. That's work. That's all day. You don't work your fields, you know, a few minutes like in the man era of existence. I mean, that's real work. As it Torah, And that's why the Mishneh Torah was written in Arvot Mo'ah. Because Arvot Mo'ah, because Mishneh Torah is like the beginning of Torah Shvalpeh. Dichti, Perak Aleph Pasukei. It says, Be'er Heitei that Moshe Rabbeinu started explaining to them what the Torah meant, more Torah and more Torah Look, after all, if you're eating mud all the time, you don't really have to know the halachos of, uh, of challah. You don't have to know the halachos of brachas. You don't have to know about, about uh, trumas and maestras. I mean, you don't know about anything. I'm exaggerating. But you don't have to know that much. Suddenly, you're in the real world. And then you have to know, what if I eat a grape in the field? Do I have to take trumas and maishas of the grape that I ate in the field? Huh? It's a question. So for that, you need a Mishnah. For a Mishnah, you need Tarsh Malpeh. That's called Be'er Hayteh. That was the third stage. He says, I'm sorry. And to Moshe Amru, the Gemara Megillah, at the end, Moshe V'yatsman Amaran, that the Klalot in the parasha of Kitavo, which are more extensive than the Klalot in the parasha of Bechukotai, Moshe V'yatsman Amaran. There's already, it's not all from heaven. It's from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's, it's, it's differentiated. As the level of B'nai Yisrael goes down, so the connection of B'nai Yisrael to heaven is somewhat torn asunder. Uh, That's what the, the Zohar says. Atar means a place. The late Taman there isn't over there forgetfulness. That's what Matan Torah was. That's the Zachor. If you have a Shabbat Remember, 
There's a mitzvah to remember. Kimosha Amru Charut Al Haleluchot. Charut engraved. It's engraved forever. God engraved it. What does it mean that God engraved the Luchot? That those who received the Torah would never be able to forget any part of it. El so Moshe Rabbeinu again came down from Har Sinai and he saw what happened and he understood that the people who built the Egel Hazahar who could not inherit could not inherit the Torah which does not have forgetfulness in it. That perfection was not, they were not worthy of that perfection. And so Moshe Rabbeinu threw the Luchot down and broke them. And the second, the second Luchot, they were given after the Cheta Egel. Ktiv Shamor. In the second Luchot, God dictated the word Shamor. Watch, watch the Shabbos. Watch it carefully. Protect it. It has to be watched over. That it should not be forgotten. The first Luchot said, I give you, for, uh, I give you memory and clarity as a present. The second Luchot was, you better be careful and try not to forget. And this injunction against forgetting is found many times in the book of Devarim, Lotishkach, right? Not only by uh, not only by Amalek, but about Talmud Torah. And so, according to the Pritzadik, the Lotishkach is the product of the Cheta Egel, and therefore, Arvot Moav is the beginning of Torah Peh. Because Torah Shabbat is an attempt to reconstruct that wealth of information with logical tricks, analysis, connections, and one thing to to another, what you'd call memory aids, right? Or ways of remembering. It's a way of remembering the sugya, the the, the shakla, the tariya. That's what what Torah Shabbat is. If we had perfect memories, we wouldn't have to trick ourselves into remembering. We would just remember everything. Lachach ita benedrash belechot arishonot lo haya amal line forty one lo haya elas aret hadibrot levad ubelechot shniyot haninotein lecha sheyebahem medrash vatagot v'chule shenitzrach harav chokma. That the Medrash says it. The Medrash says the Luchot HaShniyot contained all kinds of learning aids, stories, drashot, like this comes from here and that comes from there. And all of that was to help us and prevent us from being forgetters. But had the Luchot HaShniyot continue to exist, we would never forget. We would never forget. Kemosha Amru, 
אלמלא חטאו ישראל, לא ניתנה להם חמישה חומשי תורה. If not for the sin of the Chet HaEgel, the Gemara says, B'nai Yisrael would have received only Chamisha Chumshitar. What does that mean? They just look at the Chumash and they know everything. That's what Chamisha Chumshitar. You wouldn't have to buy your son-in-law a Shas. You just buy him a little Chumash. And that would do it. That would do it. I remember I once had a Rosh Hashiva. Very nice man. Big time Chacham. I was in Shir. He got sick. So I went, he was an old mirror. I don't know if that means anything. But you know, mirrors were people who stayed in yeshiva for a long time and learned during that time. It was like a unique kind of setup. <laughs> mirrors, the altar mirrors. So I go to his hospital, the hospital room, he had he suspected, he suspected a, a terrible illness. And so I went to I looked around and I see he didn't have any sparim. Now, of course, I couldn't imagine that my Rebbe wanted to do anything else but sit in the hospital and learn. And besides that, I had nothing particular to say at that moment. So I said to him, Rebbe, would you like to me to bring you a Gemara? That's a nice thing to say, no? I mean, I'm happy to bring I'll go and get you a Gemara, even though he was in a hospital in, uh, in New York. And the hospitals in New York are put in very odd places. They're like places that you don't want to go to. But that's where the hospital is. So I said, you want to bring your Gemara? So he said to me, he pointed to the table and he said, I have a Chumash in Rashi. So I didn't get it. <laughs> I can tell you. But years later, I got it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's how it is. So, so if it's true about the Altamiras, that they have a Chumash in Rashi, so they really have shots. You know, just they need like a little jump off to get into it. So certainly, that's what the Tzadik says. The Tzadik says we, we were in a point where we needed the variety of Torah Shavalpeh. We needed Torah Shavalpeh, Halacha, we needed the Mishnah, we needed the Yagadatha, we needed the Drashot. We needed all that stuff. Because that's what helped us to, rem- to remember things. That even though it, it made the Torah Shavalpeh tremendous, it didn't matter. Because it made it possible for us to remember. We could check. We can have a chabrusa. I can say, look, I, I remember it this way. My chabrusa say, no, I remember it. This is the way we learned it. And, and one of the two will make more sense. And therefore, I'll always be able to better myself in learning. That's what he, that's what he says. And that's why, Now, on line 46, what has, there, what has, uh, what has he explained to us, the pre-tzadik? That there was a Matan Torah in Sinai, and then there was a Matan Torah in Al and then there was a Matan Torah in Arabs Moab. Why do you need three? Oh, because they're different from each other in quality, and in, like in the quality of the giving, and in the quality of the receiving. In Har Sinai, there was a perfect giving of the Torah which didn't include forgetting and had perfect knowledge. But after the Kilkul, after the Chet, there had to be a less perfect kind of Matan Torah because the people were less perfect. And Matan Torah was less available, less available, so to speak, to them. I vote Moab. 
They were on their way to Eretz Yisrael. And as the pre-Tzadik says, they weren't going to eat man in Eretz Yisrael. They were going to eat tomatoes and cucumbers. And you know, those tomatoes and cucumbers, they don't grow if you don't make a really great effort. You've got to put them in the hole, you've got to watch them, and then you've got to collect them. And if your back doesn't hurt when you finish with all that, do it again next year. I mean, this is a different world that they were going to. It wasn't the world of mine. And so, Rav Tzodik says this. Where am I? 47. 47. Thank you. See that? When you become teachers, you should always do that. Because if you ask a child, where are we up to? They don't answer. But if you tell the child, I seem to have lost my place, every kid in the room will be happy to tell you where you went wrong. I say, anyway, Vizel Shemitama. Vizel. This is the Pshat and the Chazal that said, Mayan Shemitah. What does Shemitah got to do with all of this? Right? Shemitah takes place in Eretz Yisrael, in reality, in, in cucumber and tomato land. And, 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 and uh, the Torah says, six years you work, and the second, seventh year you go to Yeshiva. That's what the Torah says. So what Shemitah got to do with Harsinai? Because Harsinai is the perfect Matan Torah. And Shemitah represents imperfection in our lives. How we really are. He says, I'm sorry. He says, in the Matan Torah of Har Sinai, what was the intention? Mamlechet, Kohanim, Vigoy, Kadosh. He doesn't say anything about work. He doesn't say about planting cucumbers and tomatoes. So, the question is, how could the, the, the Matan Torah that includes Shemitah come from Arsina? I hope that this, uh, even though it's like I just said it, but it's remarkable. It's an absolutely remarkable idea. If the mitzvah was Kiddush. Okay? And I said, I think it also be Kiddush. If the mitzvah was Lulav and Esher, you say, okay, and I said, I think also shake a Lulav and Esher. But Shemitah? You can't say, you can't do Shemitah at Sinai, or as the Kutzadik says, in the world that is defined by the Matan Torah of Sinai, and nobody's working. Everybody's just basking in God's glory. Well, where's Shemitah come from? Where is Shmita Shmita come from? About line fifty. The lawyer has makol mitzvah Shmita. It's only when they were on their way to Eretz Israel 
does it make sense for Yoshua bin Nun to teach them about Shemitah? Oh, it's mamish the greatest. <laughs> and I hate to editorialize. I know Shalva Karov used to do that and it seemed to work. <laughs> so they used to say it all the time. This is, this is really a good one. I'll say, I'll say it all the time. This is what he says. He says, Ma inyan shmita etzel har sinai. What is it that the Torah is trying to tell us? What is it that we're to understand from the juxtaposition of Shmita and Har Sinai? After all, Har Sinai defines a world without Shmita. And Shmita is necessary in a world that rejected the option of Har Sinai. So the pre-tzaddik says this. The pre-tzaddik says this. That Torah is the response to all the situations that come up for Kali Yisrael. And that the reason that there could be a covenant, in spite of the fact that Am Yisrael goes through radical differences and changes and sometimes things that are not comprehensible fully, like the fact that the state of Israel was a creation largely of people who rejected the Torah. Right, that's true. But that doesn't mean that it's not good. Other, most reasonable people would say, isn't it wonderful that all of these people who are not so connected to the Torah found their identities in creating the state of Israel. And I, who feel very powerfully connected to the Torah, all I do is reap the benefits. I just, you know, I don't have to do anything. They, they set it up, and they invited me. So some people would look at it that way. I know that there are others who look at it differently. But you know that politics is a tough area. Right? You never know whether I'm really against you or I just want to get on top of it. I want to be like on top of the heap somehow. So, what Rav Tzodek is saying is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, the Torah was going to be given to them in any situation, in any any reality that Am Yisrael would create for themselves, the Torah and the covenant would always be applicable. And so, there's a Gemara in Sota. And the Gemara Sota said, first the Torah was given in Har Sinai, and then the Torah was given in Oel Moed, and then the Torah was given in Avot Moav. And we know we know that the Rambam says at the end of Shemitah Yovel, he says, Mamlechet Kohanim, the Goy Kadosh, you know, it's still there. 
individuals may decide to dedicate their lives to God and to Torah and be part of the Matan Torah of Har Sinai. I'm not saying that everybody who says they're doing it does it, but the Rambam says you could do it. It's a reasonable option. And the people who say, I want to be part of the Matan Torah of Omal Eid, I want to be less part of the, of the Gashmiyut in the world and more part of the Ruchthiyus in the world, they also have an opportunity to be connected to Har Sinai. And finally, the people in Eretz Yisrael who grow the cucumbers and the, and the tomatoes and participate, and, and they are also part of the Matan Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu envisioned for B'nai Yisrael. So to say that there is an unbreachable contract between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael means that even though Am Yisrael goes through changes, even though Am Yisrael is differentiable, there's the, the periods of, of great Am Yisrael quality and production, and then there are other, other periods. The covenant is always applicable because the Torah was given on different levels and applies to all situations. So Ma'iyan Shmita Eitel Har Sinai means if Har Sinai, that's a different kind of Matan Torah than we have in the Matan Torah of Shmita. Right, that's different. Along comes Duhat Sadek and he says, yes, it's different, but it's in here. It's included. All the possibilities are there. So that the Matan Torah of Arvot Moav was not a new Matan Torah. It was just an awakening. It was kind of bringing out for us to see how much Torah there really, there really is. There really is in the Torah. And so, uh, the amazing thing is that, I mean, I, I can say amazing about history, right? Not about the future. That we had today, George Bush, who seemed to know a lot about the future. But we know that up to now, Am Yisrael has managed to find a way to hold on to the Torah. And certainly, within the history of the world, this is remarkable. And it's true about different adult, different people, different places, and different qualities, and different results, and different achievements. And somehow, here we are all in Eretz Israel. we're all in Eretz Israel. and I always say that if, uh, if you're walking someplace in Yerushalayim, you're walking in Nachlat Shiva, or you're walking in Me'asharim, or you're walking in, in the Bukharim neighborhood of, uh, and somebody says, Mincha, or Mincha. You don't have to ask, who's there? Like, who's going to doubt it? Like, what, may, what manner of people are they? You doubt a Mincha. I mean, and it works, somehow. Which is a miracle that people who come from different places, have different attitudes, are philosophically better trained, poorer trained, more thoughtful, less thoughtful, they can all daven, they can all daven mincha. That's because, according to the Pritzadik, the layers of Matantar, 
right? Layer upon layer upon layer that was revealed to us in our own history in the desert. Remember, next week is Lag Bomer, there won't be a shear. I have a good chance.